Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 220 of The Informed Catholic. Episode 220 of The Informed Catholic. And welcome. And we're going to do the, um, we're doing the readings, the scripture readings today for the third week of Advent on Wednesday, third week of Advent. The scripture readings for Wednesday, the third week of Advent. So before we start, please, if you like my podcast and you think I'm doing a good job, please subscribe and share. It would be a great help. I really would appreciate it. Um, and this will let Anchor, Spotify, those are the two I uh, produce my podcast and uh, through them, and it, it gets distributed to them. And it goes out to Google Podcasts, it goes out to uh, um, Apple Podcasts, and all the other podcast platforms. Uh, the more people subscribe and share, uh, the more uh, it gets distributed. And the more I see that, I actually am encouraged to continue doing it. So um, let's begin with uh, the Advent, our Advent prayer. So uh, we're going to do the readings for the scripture readings for this day. Let's begin first with the act of penance. Someone suggested I should really uh, always start with that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us all our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we'll go into this prayer here. I've been saying this prayer because I really think I like, you know, I think it's great. Be comforted, be comforted, my people. Your salvation comes quickly. Why with grief are you consumed? For sorrow has stricken you. I will save you. Fear not, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Redeemer. Drop do you heavens from above and let the clouds rain the just one. O God, who gladdens us, by the annual expectation of our redemption, grant that we, who now receive with joy your only begotten Son as our Redeemer, may behold him without fear when he comes as our judge, even the same Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Now we'll begin the uh, Advent reading. Opening entrance antiphon is from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 and 1, and it seems to be combined with uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 4, verse 5. The Lord will come and he will not delay. He will illumine what is hidden in the darkness and reveal himself to all the nations. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that the coming and solemnity of your Son must, may bestow healing upon us in this present life and bring us the rewards of life eternal through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. And the reading, first reading, is going to be from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 45. A reading from the book of the Holy Prophet, Isaiah. I am the Lord, there is no other. I form the light and create the darkness. I make well 
being and create woe. I, the Lord, do all these things. Let justice descend, O heavens, like dew from above, like gentle rain. Let the skies drop it down. Let earth open up and salvation bud forth. Let justice also spring up. I, the Lord, have created this. For thus says the Lord, the creator of the heavens, who is God, the designer and maker of the earth, who established it, not creating it to be a waste, but designing it to be lived in. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Who announced this from the beginning and foretold it from of old? Was it not I, the Lord, besides whom there is no other God? There is no just and saving God but me. Turn to me and be safe, all you ends of the earth, for I am God. There is no other. By myself I swear, uttering my just decree and my unalterable word to me every knee shall bend and by me every tongue shall swear saying only in the lord are just deeds and power before him in shame shall before him in shame shall come all who want their anger against him in the lord shall be the vindication and the glory of all the descendants of israel the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is beautiful. I am the Lord. There is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create woe. I, the Lord, do all these things. Let justice descend, O heavens, like dew from above. Like gentle rain, let the skies drop it down. Let the earth open up and salvation bud forth. Let justice also spring up. I, the Lord, have created this. That is, I mean, how much more confidence do you need? How much more um, encouragement do you need to believe? How much more? I mean, listen to these words. Read these words. They're beautiful. For thus says the Lord God, the creator of heaven, of, of the heavens, who is God, the designer and maker of the earth, who established it, not creating it, not creating it to be a waste, but designing it to be lived in. I am the Lord and there is no other. It's just beautiful words. Let it sink in. It's just unbelievably beautiful words. It, it you know, it, it, it makes you tremble with awe and it just, you know, you know, it, it brings confidence to know that God is in charge. I mean, the, <laughs> the environmentalist would love this because it obviously God did not design it to be a waste. And it's a message to everybody to appreciate the beauty of creation, the beauty of, of things. I mean, once in a while on Instagram, I like to look at the beautiful, like, weird animals that I've never seen before. And I've seen some really weird monkeys and, and some fantastic looking birds. You ever seen the birds? I mean, really birds from different places with weird colors on them. I mean, to know that God created so many different species of birds, just like flowers with weird patterns and colors on them. It's almost amazing. And you see that when, you know, that's what makes me think about when I read this, who announced this from the beginning? And foretold it from of old. Was it not I the Lord. Beside whom there is no other God. There is no just and saving God but me. There is no just and saving God but me. Turn to me and be safe. All you ends of the earth. All you ends of the earth. Turn to me and be safe. All you ends of the earth. He's not just talking to Israel. He's talking to every single human person. Every single human person. And he's not, 
he's not talking about, he's not choosing the good or the bad or the ugly. He's talking to all the good, the bad and the ugly, the smart and the ignorant, the educated and the uneducated, the guilty and the innocent. He's talking to everybody. It's beautiful. Okay. And you know, you go on. I am God. There is no other. For I am God. There is no other. By myself, I swear, uttering my just decree in my unalterable word, to me every knee shall bend, by me every tongue shall swear. Every knee shall bend and every tongue shall confess. We've heard that before. Saying only in the Lord are just deeds and power. Before him in shame shall come all who vent their anger against him. In the Lord shall be the vindication and the glory of all the descendants of Israel. All the descendants of Israel. But that could also mean, that also means all of us, all of us who are spiritual descendants of Israel. The spiritual descendants of Israel who will receive and inherit the revelation that it was given to Israel. Because in Christ, we become one flesh and we inherit both spiritually and physically through the body and blood and soul divinity of Christ. We inherit and we become one flesh. And we and who and he himself, who is the fulfillment of all of Israel, we become that in the Eucharist. This is my body. This is my blood. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, you know, shall live. So we inherit this. And that's beautiful. Okay, so let's go to um, the psalm, the responsorial psalm. Let's listen to it. All right, this is from Psalm 85. And the responsorial um, response is, let the clouds rain down the just one and let and the earth bring forth a savior. It's interesting. We've heard, we're hearing familiar words, right? Remember the prayer? I'll go back to it just to show you. All right. Psalm 85. Let the clouds rain, the, rain down. Let the clouds rain down the just one and the earth bring forth a savior. I will hear what God proclaims. The Lord, for he proclaims peace to his people. Near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him. Glory dwelling in our land. Let the clouds rain down the just one and the earth bring forth a savior. Let me read that again. I will hear what God proclaims. The Lord, for he proclaims peace to his people. Near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him. Glory dwelling in our land. Let the earth let the clouds rain down the just one, and the earth bring forth a savior. Kindness and truth shall meet. Justice and peace shall kiss. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and justice shall look down from heaven. Let the clouds rain down the just one, and the earth bring forth a savior. The Lord himself will give his benefits our land shall yield its increase justice shall walk before him and salvation along the way of his steps let the clouds rain down the just one and the earth bring forth a savior okay i mean these are beautiful i mean when you read the psalms you should, um, I like to dwell a little bit. I like to go back and read them, which I'm, which I'm doing, which is also part of the Lacido Divina, which I mentioned a couple of episodes before, which is um, prayerful reading, you know, in a sense, uh, divine reading, prayerful reading. You go back and you read again what God is saying to you. You read it again because sometimes you could skip over and, and you, and, you know, you don't want to treat it like you're reading any other book you want to take your time and you want to say what are you saying to me if something grabs your attention linger on it maybe even write it down in a journal 
No, if you're not if you're not comfortable reading uh, writing in your Bible, you shouldn't, uh, unless you have an extra Bible, and you know just dwell upon it, make a note, you know in a in a little journal, carry it with you, and go back and read it again and read it again, and if the if the word if that particular verse stands out to you, do it again. This particular thing is God is is talking about. You know his all the 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 beautiful virtues he'll give us, you know, all the beautiful virtues, the the graces he'll give us. I will hear what God proclaims. The first part is I will hear what God proclaims. The Lord, for he proclaims peace to his people. Near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him. Glory dwelling in our land. If one of the things we should pray for is fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. I'll tell you what really or I don't like. One of the things that bothers me. When I hear people take the name of the Lord in vain. When I take, when they curse, when they add a curse word to the name of Jesus. And when they add God with a curse word. I don't like it. It bothers me. And that's one of the one of the things you know that you have developed the fear of the Lord. And you and when you hate it, when people take the name of God's name in vain, it is terrible. It is disgusting. I can't correct them because I don't have a right to do that, but I can say a prayer for them, pray for forgiveness, for 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 throwing the name of God out like that, the name of our Savior like that, like, you know, with, with, a, with a horrible, in a horrible sentence, like a curse word. I hate that. And that's when you know, when you develop a great love for God, when you develop a great love for Jesus, you take the name of Jesus seriously. And if you've had a problem with cursing, if you have a problem with swearing, you should f pray to stop that. I... I began to notice this myself because I don't, I don't, I don't like to, I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, I'm not trying to make myself perfect. I just don't like to hear the name of Jesus or God thrown out like that. Jesus Christ is sacred. He is savior. And when you hear it, it should make you feel sad and terrible. That people do that, and people do it so easy. Some people do it so easily. Some people do it all the time. They, I mean, they, they, they. It's like an addiction for them, and and it's terrible because they're going to be judged one day. They're going to be judged. I can't do that to people. I can't. I know a lot of people think you should tell them to stop. How am I going to tell them to stop? I can't be. I can't be with them, twenty four hours. I can only pray for them. Once in a while, there'll be some people that will apologize because when they know that I take that I take my faith seriously, and that's good. But I want I I pray for their conversion because people who swear and and throw out the name of Jesus Christ with a with a with like a venomous curse, it's not good. It's terrible. And some people I've heard people who do it nonstop, nonstop, and. It's terrible. That's one of the things you know when you develop the fear of the Lord. All right. Let's go to the... Um, let's go to the uh, Alleluia um, Antiphon. It's from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9, 10. Alleluia, Alleluia. Raise your voice and tell the good news. Behold, the Lord God comes with power. Alleluia, alleluia. Raise your voice and tell the good news. Behold, the Lord God comes with power. Alleluia, alleluia. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Go back and tell John what you have seen and heard. At that time, John the Baptist summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? 
when the men came to the Lord, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? At that time, Jesus cured many of their diseases and sufferings and evil spirits. He also granted sight to the men, to many who were blind. And Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the good news proclaimed to them, and blessed is the one who, who takes no offense at me. I'll read it one more time. At that time, John the Baptist summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? When the men came to the Lord, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? At that time Jesus cured many of their diseases and sufferings and evil spirits. He also granted sight to many who were blind. And Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. The poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. One of the interesting things you notice here is notice how, how they refer to our Lord. They say, John the Baptist sent two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord. And then it goes on the next sentence here. And when the men, when the men came to the Lord, they said, you know, and you notice that it's, you know, Luke is writing already in a time when they were, um, were have showed great reference to Jesus. He used the term Lord. They came to the Lord. He sent them to the Lord. Luke, Luke was already part of that first, uh, maybe first generation of Christians. And remember, they Luke got many of the accounts, the early infancy accounts from Mary. So, the church was already developing a maturity. And you see how John the Baptist wanted to be sure. I mean, he was in prison. You got to remember, Herod Antipas put him in prison. And he was probably in the most dire, disgusting conditions, filthy conditions, un, un, you, know, you know, unhealthy, you know, um, not hygienically well and confined maybe even beaten and obviously beaten and treated horribly, you know, in, 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 in those conditions, and especially Herod Antipas, John, you know, would psychologically develop maybe some doubt looking at his, I mean, I don't think he doubted. I think he believed, I don't believe he showed any doubt because he just wanted to be sure. He wanted to be sure for himself, which was a, a natural human thing. He, you know, he needed, he needed some confidence. He needed to hear something confident. You, it's like now with all this was going on with the election, you want to hear something confident. I look to hear confidence from people. You know, I want to hear some confidence and I want to believe that things are going to turn out all right. And Jesus sent him the confidence. I don't believe John doubted who Jesus is. He obviously did believe who Jesus is. But at times, he must have wondered to himself, did he miss something? Did he overlook something? You know, did he, did he miss, huh? did he misread? I thought I'd turn off the notifications. I got to do better. <laughs> but the thing is, did he overlook something? And possibly, you know, that's what he was thinking to himself because it's a human thing. But I believe the Lord sent him some words of encouragement. There's um, an old 
um, biblical film called King of Kings. Um, there's a beautiful scene in the film. I liked it. I loved it a lot where John was in prison and John the Baptist and then the actor, uh, Jeffrey Hunter, uh, you probably, if any of you would, um, are not familiar with the actor, he played Captain Pike in the um, pilot to Star Trek before, that is before William Shatner took over as Captain Kirk. So the actor who you see in the pilot play, played Jesus, uh, the role of Jesus in The King of Kings. It's not one of the best films, but it has the most beautiful Sermon on the Mountain, if you ever check it out. Well, this beautiful scene where it has John the Baptist in prison and Jesus pays uh, John the Baptist a visit, you know, fulfilling that st that role. I, I, You were in prison and I visited you. Well, the scene basically shows John the Baptist in a deep dungeon, you know, and it has this, there's a sort of like, um, a mound, sort of like a slide, a sliding one where the sunlight would come through. So he had to try stretching out his hands uh, to Jesus. And then the actor who plays Christ, Jeffrey Hunter, grabs his hand and John uh, uh, says to him with, with deep earnest and desperation, give me your blessing. And he, he did. You know, he, you know, suddenly he slides back down and you see the arms of Christ reaching out, giving John the blessing. Later on, he asked, oh, but they had it like he asked a Roman soldier, not his disciple. Are you the one we expected or should we wait, you know, expect another? And right before he gets executed by uh, Herod Antipas after... Uh, Herodias gives her, um, I mean, um, Salome gives her birthday dance to uh, Herod Antipas. John, in the prison, mysteriously hears the words of the Lord, which is the words I just read to you. You know, and it's it's a beautiful scene. We, but the words that he, he we hear is. You know, um, there is no man born a woman than John the Baptist, which is, I think, comes from uh, Matthew's. Uh, uh, no, it comes in Luke. You, you, you'll hear that later on. But it's a beautiful confirmation to who John is, that John was the voice of Elijah. John is the, the voice crying in the wilderness. John is the one that uh, was to prepare the way of the Lord. And John needed to hear that, that there's no man, there's no man born of a woman than John the Baptist. And that's, and, and, and that's a beautiful thing. Okay, so uh, now I'm going to read the day Christ was born. I'm going to pick up a little further back uh, from the Annunciation, Okay. All right, so I am going to go a little back because <clears throat> I got disrupted in the last episode with all the car horns and everything. And uh, unfortunately, um, that's the way it goes. But since I can do it, why not? So, The Day Christ Was Born by Jim Bishop. And this one is Mary's background. So let's start from this particular uh, spot here. When Mary reached her 13th birthday, it was permissible to ask for her in marriage. The proper form was followed. Joseph first asked his parents if he could ask for Mary or marry Mary, as the way he put it here. I prefer ask for Mary. He was 17, an apprentice carpenter in the neighborhood and more than a year away from having his own shop. It was assumed that a serious-minded young Jew of 17 was a responsible adult. Joseph's parents discussed the matter of marriage and in time paid a formal call on Mary's parents. The entire neighborhood knew in advance what negotiations were at hand. 
And from draped doorway to draped doorway, the women discussed it as they washed the stones in front of their houses. And Mary was not supposed to know of the matter, but had ex facto knowledge of, of it all, all along, and had made known her wishes to her mother and father. Joseph, who thought it was a deep pending secret, was amazed and embarrassed to find that the boss carpenter and the tradesmen were not only aware of his wishes, but looked at him archly and stroked their beards and made him the butt of unsmiling jokes and jests. The parents engaged in their formal discussion. It was necessary as part of the little ceremonial talk of a dowry, but Mary's people had none, had nothing, and their economic status was no better, no worse than Joseph's. As long as the man of the house remained in good health, they would not starve. When the two mothers and fathers were, were agreed, the Quetishan took place. This is a formal betrothal and much more binding than any other. The Quetishan has the finality of marriage. Once the marriage contract was negotiated, even though the marriage ceremony had not occurred, the bridegroom-to-be could not be rid of his betrothed except through divorce. The Quetishan in Judea also entitled the couple to lawful sexual relations, even though each of the parties were still living at home with their parents. They're a little bit more liberal in Judea, as you can see. However, in the countries of Galilee and in the south, the people had renounced this privilege more than 500 years before, more conservative in those areas, as you can tell, and purity was maintained through the final marriage vows. Still, if Joseph had died between Quetashan and marriage, Mary would have been his legal widow. If in the same period another man had had knowledge of her, Mary would have been punished and she would have been put to death as an adulteress. The waiting time was spent according to the custom in, for, in time for shopping for a small home and furniture. The Nisan, or wedding ceremony, would be almost anticlimactic. A big part of the ceremony was the solemn welcome of the bridegroom to his bride at the door of his new home. Throughout the engagement, Mary, of course, lived with her parents and accepted the daily chores set out for her. At the time, midway between engagement and the formal marriage, Mary was alone one day and was visited by the angel Gabriel. She was alarmed, to be sure, but not as frightened as she would have been had she not heard of stories of such visits from, from the elders. Mary lived after the days of the great prophets and the great visions or visitations, and I guess you could say apparitions, right? Gabriel stood before her and saw a dark, modest child of 14. Rejoice, child of grace, he said. The Lord is your helper. You are blessed beyond all women. Mary did not like the sound of the last sentence. Her hands began to tremble and shake. Why should she, a little country girl, be blessed beyond all women? Did it mean that she was about to die? Was she being taken, perhaps, to a far-off place, never again to see her mother or father? And Joseph? She said nothing. She tried to look away, not only because of terror, but because it was considered bad manners in Judea for one to, share, to stare directly into the eyes of another. But her eyes were magnetized. She stared, lowered her eyes, and stared again. Gabriel's voice softened. Do not tremble, Mary. 
he said. You have found favor in the eyes of God. Behold, you are to be a mother and bear a son and to call him Jesus, Yahshua. He will be great. The Son of the Most High will be his title and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. He will be king over the house of Jacob forever and to his kingship there will be no end. The words did not calm Mary. Vaguely she understood that she was to be the mother of, of the king of kings. But who might this be and how could it occur when she's not even married? How will this be, she said shyly, since I remain a virgin? It was Gabriel's turn to become specific. He stood in soft radiance in the room and explained, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For this reason, the child to be born will be acclaimed Holy and the Son of God. She now understood the words, but they added to her bewilderment. What the angel was saying, she reasoned, was something for which the Jews had been waiting for centuries. The Messiah, a Savior, God come to earth as he had promised long ago. Mary shook her head. No, to her, not her. Gabriel sensed that the child needed more proof. Note, moreover, he said, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. She, who was called the barren, nothing indeed is impossible for God. Her eyes lowered to the earthen floor and her head inclined to. She comprehended. She also understood that the angel had told her about her old cousin Elizabeth, whom she had not seen in some time, so that the fruitfulness of her kinswoman would be the earthly seal of proof to the heavenly words. She, a young virgin, was to be blessed by the Holy Spirit, and she would bear a male child who would be God. It was an enormous honor, but she had been taught to accept and obey the will of God from the first moment of her early understanding. Regard me as the humble servant of the Lord, she murmured. May all that you have said be fulfilled in me. The angel stood before her in silence, fading slowly from her vision, bit by bit, until all that was visible was the wall. Mary's impulse was to run and find her mother. She must tell, she must ask counsel, she must convince her mother that she was not inventing a story. Exultation came, and it was transmitted to anguish. It was not a dream, or was it? Could one dream standing wide awake in one's house? No, it was not a dream. She knew that she could not be because she could not have devised the words that Gabriel used, nor for a moment she had trouble remembering them. She wrung her hands and prayed for recollection, full recollection. She had to know every word and more important to understand every word. She prayed and thought and prayed and little by little the words and the phrases returned until like a familiar litany she could recite them without hesitation. She thought again of her mother and decided not to tell. If the angel had wanted her mother to know, he would have come when her mother was at home, so that both of them would have had knowledge of this thing. He had deliberately selected a time when she was alone. Therefore, it must be the will of God that she keep the secret 
Anyway, if her mother or anyone else knew the secret, they would tell, tell it to her, and thus she would know which human beings God had selected to know of, to know of the honor. Surely, she thought, Joseph would know. He was her indeed her husband. The angel would have to tell Joseph. If he didn't, then what would Joseph think when she became great with child, and he knew that the baby was not his? Oh, yes, the angel would surely tell Joseph. Within a few days, Mary asked as casually as possible for permission to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Her mother thought if it is her mother thought of it as a touching sign of devotion and sent her off with a family with family traveling south to Judea. The young virgin said nothing about her secret. Some of the time she seemed to her friends to be lost in thought, frowning. Elizabeth was gray and wrinkled, and she had spent many years in the balcony of the synagogue asking God for a child. Her husband, Zechariah, was a priest, a small-town teacher who had once been selected by the great priests of Jerusalem to be the one to enter the holy place and offer the incense. He felt sorrow for his Elizabeth than he did for himself in a matter of childlessness. They were childless. He understood the natural maternal feelings of Elizabeth, and unknown to her, he had prayed again and again for a child. Sometime before the visit of Mary, the angel Gabriel had appeared before Zechariah in the temple and told him that God had answered their prayers. Elizabeth would give birth to a son in June, and she must call him John. Some day in the distant future, he would be called the Baptist, and he would go ahead of the Messiah, preaching and baptizing as he went. Elizabeth was standing in her, in her doorway as Mary came up the walk. It was though she had ex expected the visit. Mary was Mary, an affectionate child, shouted a happy greeting before she reached the door. Elizabeth felt her baby move within her, and raising her hand in greeting, suddenly burst into tears. Blessed are you, she said, beyond all women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Mary stopped partway to the door. Her mouth hung open. She could not speak. Elizabeth knew. Elizabeth knew the secret. Elizabeth wiped her eyes and tried to smile. How privileged am I, she said to her niece, to have the mother of my Lord come to me. Hear me now, as the sound of your greeting fell upon my ears. The baby in my womb leaped for joy. Oh, happy is she who believed that what was told to her on behalf of the Lord would be fulfilled. The last sentence was a quasi-warning for the young girl to erase all doubt from her mind and become reconciled to the greatest duty of all ages. Mary had not doubted. She had believed the words, but she could not convince herself that she was the one of all women on earth selected to bear the baby. Now she was convinced. She no longer tried to divorce her person from the prophecy. She had told no one of the secret, and here Elizabeth not only knew about it, but was pregnant exactly as the angel had said she would be. A wave of exultation filled the heart of Mary. The young girl no longer wondered and worried about her part in God's will. She became lyrical, and she stood before her cousin, arms outstretched, eyes dimmed and half-closed with tears of joy, and she uttered words which remained engraved on the heart of Elizabeth for all days. Oh, my soul extols the Lord. My spirit leaps for joy in God my Savior. Oh, how graciously he looked upon the, his lowly maid. Oh, behold, 
from this hour onward, age after age will call me blessed. Oh, how sublime is what he has done for me, the mighty one whose name is holy. From age to age he visits those who worship him in reverence. His arm achieves the the mastery. He routs the haughty and proud of heart. He puts down the princes from their thrones and exalts the lowly. He fills the hungry with blessings and sends away the rich with empty hands. He has taken by the hand his servant Israel and mercifully kept his faith as he had promised our fathers with Abraham and his posterity forever and forevermore. The women embraced and Mary wondered what made her think of those words. The young girl remained with Elizabeth until June, a week prior to the birth of John. Mary was three months pregnant, and her parents had sent word that she should be at home preparing for her wedding. Yes, the wedding. Elizabeth now enjoyed Mary's complete confidence, and the two wondered if Joseph knew. It was impo- it was important that he know what was about to happen and to understand. I'll stop here, okay? I'll stop here because, you know, I got to... I can't continue anymore, but I think this one went well, and I will learn to turn off the notifications. Don't worry. So um, that was nice. I think tonight was uh, the reading was good. I enjoyed doing it, and we should learn from that. I mean, it's beautiful. It's great to meditate on these things. It's great to learn about them and to meditate on them and to give ourselves encouragement. And the important thing is to keep reading the scriptures. I have a, on a, I have to, have to say that I believe Jim Bishop loved his faith. He loved his faith beautifully. Um, you can see that. And he really got into the scriptures very, very seriously. He wanted to get as close as possible, as much as possible, to who Jesus is, and he wanted to get to know Jesus. He wanted to, to, to get as close as possible to that world, as it is possible. The scriptures are one thing, but to go visit the Holy Land, to make that time, to spend time, to talk to archaeologists, talk to scholars, talk to people. And you got to remember, you know, not everybody's going to be, is going to fit your idea of what, you know, they're not going to tell you. Many of them have their own conclusions and you don't have to agree with them. And just remember the historical critical method, the way they use it is for some of them devoid of faith. Because I don't know why, but that's, well, we can talk about that another time, explore that. But the important thing is to get to know Jesus as close as possible. And that's what we get like. We got books like this, good books. You get books like Fulton Sheen's, Bishop, uh, the Venerable Fulton Sheen's book, The, the, um, the Life of Christ. You got um, The Lord. You got other books. You got great books that can help meditate on the scriptures and to bring us closer to, to help us, to aid us, their aids, to help us bring, to get closer to our Lord. And that's what we need to do, to get closer to Jesus. All right, so um, let's say the devotion to Our Lady uh, before we end. And the Novena to Our Lady of Lords. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. O ever immaculate virgin, mother of mercy, health of the sick, Refuge of sinners, comforter of the afflicted. You know my wants, my troubles, and my sufferings. Cast upon me a look of mercy by appearing in the grotto of lords. You were pleased to make it a privileged sanctuary where you dispense your favors and where many sufferers have obtained the cure of their infirmities, both spiritual and corporal. I come, therefore, with the most unbounded confidence to implore your maternal intercession. Obtain, O loving mother, the granting of my requests. 
through gratitude for favors, I will endeavor to imitate your virtues, that I may one day share your glory. Amen. We'll say this part here. Our Lady of Lords, pray for us. Our Lady of Lords, pray for us. Our Lady of Lords, pray for us. Saint Bernadette, pray for us. And for now, the Novena to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. O most blessed Mother, heart of love, heart of mercy, ever listening, caring, consoling, hear our prayers as your children. We implore your intercession with Jesus, your Son. Receive with understanding and compassion the petitions we place before you today, especially, and this is when we make our private intentions. Let's stop for a moment. We are comforted in knowing your heart as ever open to those who ask for your prayer. We trust to your gentle care and intercession those whom we love and who are sick or lonely or hurting. Help all of us, Holy Mother, to bear our burdens in this life until we may share eternal life and peace with God forever and ever. Amen. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be worthy of the promises of Christ. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, folks, God bless, and uh, I'll be back again with another episode, and uh, enjoy your, your evening, and also please pray for me, and uh, subscribe and share to the podcast, it will be a great help. God bless.